I want to talk a little bit about our textbook, Intercultural Communication, Globalization, and Social Justice. For our class, we have the second edition assigned. It's by Catherine Sorrells, published by SAGE, S-A-G-E. And it was most recently published in 2016. I guess just one edition of it, 2016. Okay, so the first chapter we have of our book is called Opening the Conversation, Studying Intercultural Communication. And a couple of things about our book um, that I want to just point out is that there is a glossary in the back of it, you know, for keywords. So there's a lot of new theoretical terms in the book that, I mean, terms and language that's probably new for most people. So remember that there's actually an, an index in the back where you can look up the key, the key terms and um, go back. And then the, the glossary is really, really helpful too. Okay. And then, uh, so I'm actually hoping that you're looking at your book while I'm talking about this. <laughs> um, another thing too, what I always do when I'm coming at a new book, a new textbook like this, is I read the preface and I read the introduction because those help bridge between where we're at and where the authors are at. So that those those first pages are meant to help connect from where the, the author's coming from and where where we're at. So it's always a good practice to read those. Um, also, while the chapters are short, you might need to read it um, a little bit at a time if this kind of writing is new for you. I know that's that's how I have worked in my life. I have to kind of digest the stuff slowly. And so in chapter one, she has at the, on the first page, it says learning objectives. So that, that means, you know, the point of the chapter, what's the chapter going to be about? And it says, identify the opportunities and challenges of intercultural communication in the context of globalization. Number two, describe three definitions of culture that influence intercultural communication in the global context. Three, explain how our social location and standpoint shape how we see, experience, and understand the world differently. Four, describe the goals and six ports of entry into intercultural praxis. Okay, and then she has a guiding question at the top of the chapter that says, what creates positive intercultural interactions? And there's a picture of people that you know, people that look like they are from different cultural and ethnic and racial backgrounds that's in black and white at the top of the chapter. And they're all smiling and they're hugging each other. (laughs) Um, So what do you think? What do you think positive intercultural interaction looks like? Have you had any experiences of it? Have you had any relationships that were intercultural like with friends or coworkers, loved ones, and you were like, okay, this, this is great. Look, we, we, you know, we've learned more about each other and we, our stereotypes have been unraveled. Those kinds of things. What, what makes a positive intercultural interaction to you in your view? And then on the learning objectives, so I'm just still on page one, talking about page one, the learning objectives, some of that language is probably new. You're like, I, I don't even understand what she's talking about. Okay. <laughs> so, um, all of that, you know, we're going to, we're going to learn as we go through the reading. 
And that's why it takes a little while. You have to kind of read slowly, see the example she's talking about, and ask questions. I want to encourage you all to ask questions about our text and our readings on the Teacher's Corner discussion board. So this is, you know, I, I have discussion boards in our class that where I ask you to make sense of the reading, where I'm going to be looking at, you know, whether or not you've done the reading and how you're applying it to your life and making sense of it. But so the Teacher's Corners discussion board is a more open space where you can just you can just post questions and say, hey, I don't, I don't understand this. I don't understand what um, globalization is. I don't understand positionality, whatever the term is that's confusing. Or it, maybe you, you have an idea of how you, you think it connects to life and popular culture or something you've observed in the news and you want to hash it out or just talk about it, um, pop that up on Teacher's Corner and I will jump back in there and get back to you. Okay, so also in in chapter one to, in, in all chapters, um, you know, as, you, as you're reading along, you can see that the chapter is broken up into subheadings. Like on page 13, there's positionality is there described. And then it says standpoint theory, and that's described ethnocentrism is all you know explained defined so every time you see a subheading then that's that's where you can go back and learn about it in the reading if so so it might work for you to read from read all the way through the chapter and then go back and reread again the parts that are in bold to make sure that you're clear on those that are also separated out by the subheadings. Another thing to do that I recommend is using a pencil. If using a pencil, if it's a rented rented copy of the book or a post-it note, um, and write write notes while you go through reading. All right, um, that's the way that I started doing things. Actually, it took me kind of a while to. To realize that I could write on my books and you know so um, they didn't have rentals when I was in college <laughs> back in the day but um, once I started writing on my textbooks I felt so much better like when I disagreed with something the the uh, scholar would say or when I didn't understand I mean one thing I used to get really frustrated about is big words without a reason okay so if a big word is used I wanted it to be, I wanted it to matter. I wanted that big word to be necessary. Okay, so sometimes I would get mad when I was reading and I would say like, Bleh, all over the margins. You know, I'd write back to it and I'd say, what are you talking about? And I would just write back to it, okay? And that helped me, that helped me not feel smothered by it, to tell you the truth. And I really encourage you to do that too. Write back to the book, you can write all over it. Well, I mean, if it's if it's a rented copy, write all over post-its on your pages. This will help you keep track of what you think and what you feel, because we're trying to develop a critical thinking process, which means we don't just take ideas, we we uh, we think about them, we kick back, we we express, we share our ideas, we you know we we form our own opinions. But bef before we decide that the idea is trash, we have to. We have to be able to hear it and see what the person even means, okay? So I guess what I'm talking about too is just how it can feel really alienating 
when we're learning new theoretical ideas. Learn, learning new theory and new kinds of language can feel alienating because you feel excluded from it because you don't understand what the person is talking about. <laughs> so that's true. That's real. That's tied to, you know, classism and racism in higher education. And at the same time, the theory is so helpful. Sometimes it can be so helpful in making, making sense of what we're living and experiencing. And that's the reason we dig into it is because we need tools to be able to talk about what the heck is going on. All right. It's worth it. Okay. So one of the big words that Sorrells uses in chapter one is called praxis praxis. And it's, it's really an exciting term. It comes from Paulo Freire who wrote a book called pedagogy of the oppressed. You know, the word oppressed and oppression. That's like the, the social force of power that weighs down on people and gets them to unwittingly sometimes just go along with their own suffering. You know, I shouldn't say their hour. I mean, it, it affects everybody. It affects all of us. Um, so pedagogy of the oppressed is about, um, teaching, teaching how to, how to make sense of that experience and talk back to that experience. And one of the ways that Paulo Freire talks about that is with this idea of praxis and praxis means when you put theory and practice together. So that's what we're going to do with our book. And that's what Sorrels, Sorrels loves that idea too. She, she mentions Paulo Freire in chapter one, that that's where she gets the idea of praxis from. So what's so exciting about that is we want the theory to walk, to, to make sense of the theory that we read about in our book and the idea of the intercultural praxis model, all these cool big ideas. We want to make the theory walk out on the street, walk out in our lives, walk in our relationships, walk and make sense of it. And then if it doesn't make sense, when we bring it down to our lives and our lived experience, we talk back to it and we say, Hey, this theory needs to change, or maybe we want to kick it to the curb. Right? So that's what praxis is. It means take the theory and the big meaty idea and put it into your life. And it actually goes the other way too. start with your life and make the theory out of your life. All right. So this will make more sense as we go, but basically it's kind of dissolving the, the walls between the book and you and us in our class. Okay. Great and good luck cracking into chapter one. I hope it's interesting and also have a look at the discussion questions and activities on the back. Um, we aren't doing those in our discussion, but I, I may try to integrate some of them into our discussion boards. Some of these activities and discussion questions going forward. All right. Okay. That's um, a few words on our book. Oh, wait, one more thing. This is in the syllabus, but if you didn't get it or you missed this bit, know that you can get our textbook at the bookstore, of course, the Sierra College bookstore. Also on Amazon, you can get rental. You can, you can get rented versions of the book for the whole semester for pretty, pretty inexpensively. Um, you can also get used copies. Okay. So that's it. All right. Have a great day.